Welcome to House of Wrestling, everybody. It's me, Nick Hausman. Come on in here. Take your shoes off, hat off. Put them over on the uh, living room counter here. And come on in because we have sitting by the fireplace today somebody that the pro wrestling world just can't seem to stop talking about. The fans are all chanting about him. You may have known him in WWE as Meat, but it is right now here today that we are talking with Dr. Sean Stasiak. Dr. Sean, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me. Man, Dr. Sean Stasiak. Is it weird for me to like, I don't know. I'm like really impressed by that. The last time I think a lot of people saw you, you were just oiled up and now you're a doctor, man. That's very impressive. Yeah, I tell a lot of my patients I used to, you know, I was half naked wearing a pair of underwear and go-go boots, pretend fighting with other men and women to pay my bills. So they get a kick out of that. And I also show them my x-rays and say, you know, you talk, you ask if pro wrestling's fake right well let me show you how fake it is i'll show you my x-rays and show you some of the damage i did to my spine but nonetheless yeah no it's not weird for me now you know it's it's ironic you say that because i feel like i'm kind of in a uh, on both sides of the fence meaning pro wrestling to me i've been away for quite a while now you know and it i, I watch old footage here and there uh i guess the the social media the digital world we live in is what keeps us guys like myself that have been gone for so long uh, somewhat relevant, I guess, right? You got the digital signal, you got Peacock, I'm on in the library. I mean, I've got kids that come up half my age saying, hey, you're Sean Stasiak. How, how old are you? I'm 20 or 22. How do you even know about me, you know? And they're like, well, it's from the WB Network or, or you know, Peacock, right? So uh, it's weird because I look, you know, it's so familiar to me when I watch back my old footage, which I cringe most of the time. I'm like, oh my God, I wish I could add that back again. But um you know, it's it's so foreign to me, but yet so familiar. It's it's really weird. It's like I did that. That's that's me. You know. Uh, and then with with chiropractic, you know, I've been doing this for 17 years now, serving my Dallas Fort Worth community. Um, I've just kind of fell fallen into that role. I guess I've always been uh, somewhat of service and providing you know better quality of life for people. You know, installing a, a more vibrant, enchanting life for people and that's very rewarding and fulfilling so now i'm breaking into uh speaking and wellness life coaching among some other entertainment projects but uh that's me i wear a lot of different hats man no pun intended you see the dallas stars i'm, I'm, I'm about to say you have a hat on right now i don't know how many underneath yeah. are that, underneath that one hat. i got i've got a couple here i got the los angeles uh angels i got another dallas stars cap physically a man with physically many hats i love it many hats man more ways than one well, you you know it's crazy here. You seventeen away, seventeen years away from from pro wrestling because you know obviously you're a generational talent. Your father was uh, WWE Hall of Famer and WWF uh, champion Stan Stasiak. Yep. By the way, a very interesting timing here with us uh, meeting up and chatting because tomorrow will be the first day in more than forty years that WWE will no longer be owned by the McMahons. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Isn't that wild wow. to think about? That's to, starting on Wednesday. Yeah, no Tuesday tomorrow. Oh, as we're tomorrow. This, yeah, as we're recording this on Monday, September 11th. Yeah, we are about eight hours away from the merger between WWE and UFC. Wow. Close, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, that's that's a significant date, but you know, today obviously is a very significant date. Uh, what was it? 22 years ago. I can't believe it's been that long. I know. But you know what's significant when you tie that into wrestling is that. You know, I was part of a very, very special night and moment when we were the very first, when I was with WWE, when that happened, Tuesday, September 11th, you know, 2001, we we're in Houston, Texas, and we were about to have, I think it was a, a Raw, I believe it was a Raw. It was a SmackDown, I believe. Oh, SmackDown, you're right. It was a SmackDown taping, I think, but we prolonged it to like a Thursday. We stick it, all the airports shut down, everything was shut down. Everything was in chaos. No one knew if it was coming or going. It was a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. But, uh, you know, Vince McMahon, you know, said to heck with it. We're going to go ahead and put on a show for the fans and we're going to drown out some of this, uh, you know, grief and depression. I mean, we were all feeling it, right? So to be part of that, it was such a, I didn't, I mean, I knew it was special when I was there, you know, 22 years ago. But when I look back and they even done a documentary or a little mini documentary on Peacock, about that night and man it brought me to tears and i was just very proud that because you know life's about experiences about, about memories about moments right and that was just a really special moment that i was i'm very proud to be part of 
that, you know, that's a significant, you know, it's September 11th today and today's the anniversary. So yeah. I thought that was worth mentioning. No, a hundred percent. And that happened during your second run uh, back with WWE. Yeah, that was during my second run. Man, that is what a what a crazy what a crazy experience that had to be like uh, grieving at the same time. I'm from Texas by I'm from Houston, Texas, by the way. Okay, I remember that show very very. I wasn't there, but I remember very very vividly. So yeah, yeah, Uh, and I got to work with Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, that night. I was the the wildy coyote of the WWE at the time. You know, uh, the laughing stock and. Comical relief, you know. Uh, it was just fun that I got to rub shoulders with Rock a little bit. I wish, wish I would have had an opportunity to actually work a real program and you know develop. But you know the rest, the rest is history. It is what it is. But it was just it was uh, bittersweet, you know. You're you're on one end, you're representing you know freedom and and America, really uh, very patriotic night. But it's it was depressing and sad and and. Again, lots of fear, anxiety going on. But to work with Dwayne was really uh, special for me too. It was really, I wish we again, I wish we had more time or, or more of an opportunity of working together. But just to have that moment, that I was glad to be part of it. it. Was a stupid, goofy character, but at least it made people laugh and it put smiles on faces and it and it eased up some of the tension that we all felt. So I was I was happy to be part of that that aspect. Man, um, well, uh, here let's we'll we'll, we'll revisit this. Uh, let's take a step back here, man, because the reason that I set up this interview, the reason that you and I got put together, Doctor Sean Stasiak, is because I was sitting at AEW All Out here in Chicago, and I watched Miro and Powerhouse Hobbs throw down in this hoss fight, and everybody yeah. starts chanting meat. Meat, meat, right. meat, right? And then this had happened before with Big E, where he had talked about big meaty men slapping meat. And I was like, man, I started thinking about you specifically. Then I see you leaning in on social media, tagging Tony Khan, making jokes about it. And I'm yeah. like, man, I gotta talk to I gotta talk to Dr. Sean Stasiak. I gotta talk to meat. I gotta go to the source. So tell me real quickly, like what do you think of this meat craze. I know you're kind of having fun with it, but, but what do you think about this kind of moment that's going on for these guys? Well, it's, it's amazing how in, in professional wrestling, how things just happen from left field, you know, uh, some of the best uh, and most successful and fun gimmicks or storylines are, are just stumbled upon. I don't want to say by coincidence because everything happens for a reason, but just by hap. You know, it just happens, right? It just happens by accident, I guess, to some degree. It just what no thought into it, and before you know it, this crowd's chanting "meat." And I don't know if it's a Chicago thing. I mean, you had to educate me on it because you. I, you called it. I said, "What?" Okay. Now, now here's the thing. Let me explain the story. What happened here? So, okay, I'm on my way to the gym, right? And I'm sitting in my car, and I'm going through my phone, and you know, responding to messages, emails, and stuff. And I see I'm getting tagged with all this meat stuff, this meat. Yeah. I'm like, you know, and I, and, and honestly, you know, back when I played that character, cause I am the original meat. Okay. You let's are. just get that. Let's get, make that an official statement. I am originally the original meat, right. Character. And back then I, I, I'm just backing up here. Let me rewind a little bit to give you a little background story on my thoughts on this. So, you know, I anticipated being a pro wrestler for many years as a young man, as you can imagine, my dad, Stan the Man Stasiak, fifth wrestler in the history of the company of WWE or back then the WWF to become champion, right? So, you know, I got memories of Andre the Giant, you know, in my living room drinking beer with my dad till 5 a.m. I mean, you know, think about a five-year-old little boy walking down the stairs to hearing these big giant laughs. And there's a live giant in your living room. So no wonder I'm so traumatized, right? But point being is that, you know, I anticipated for many years that I would take out for my dad and have a shot at, at, at professional wrestling and, and, and namely the WWE. And I'll just say this to you. I never wanted to work for any other promotion than WWE. I grew up around that. My dad has so much history and lineage there. Um, and so, you know, for, for other reasons uh, or another politically, whatever, you know, I, I ended up going to WCW for a while. Uh, had great success there, you know, um, came back to WB for a second tenure. But, you know, with my first tenure there, I did not anticipate, you know, that I would represent a one word or one, you know, a one word name character in the name of meat of all things. So when I first received that, I was very disappointed. 
You know, I, yeah. I, I, I was really disappointed. I was disheartened, but it was the direction that the company was going being edgier and, 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 and I was bummed out about it, but I was happy at the same time that I finally got to make my uh, break in the business at that level. Time out, time out. I want to start it real quick. Can you take us back to like, who pitched you the meat character? How was this character pitched to you, Dr. Sean? From, from what I can remember, I mean, it's been since 1999. And ironically, God, I'm, I, all these stories tie in, but I had anticipated to make my WB debut for six, seven weeks. They'd fly me to TV, right? Because I was doing dark matches. I worked with Kurt Angle quite a bit. Yeah. We wrote, we traveled together. We had dark, we had great matches that were never televised, but we just, you were both green back then, of course, you know. But I mean, we just had good chemistry and, of course, amateur backgrounds. And I respected Kurt for his, all his accolades and whatnot. But, but I had been going to TVs, you know, for a while there and say, hey, you're going to, you're going to, you know, make your debut. And then and last minute, the way that business is, okay, now we're going to do it next week. So then the next week would come and it just kept going on where they just kept postponing my, my debut. And I remember we were in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and they said, you're going to make your debut finally to, tonight. And I was very nervous, as you can imagine. And, you know, a big part of me being being there and being part of the, the whole thing was my dad, you know, his influence on me. And my dad had passed, you know, uh, shortly prior to that, less than a couple years prior, 1997. But I'm in the crowd. I'm looking around. You know, they put me by a curtain behind the scenes. And I'm looking out. and I'm seeing, you know, however many thousands of people there were. I was just I could hear my dad saying to me, Sean, I'm with you. I could feel his spirit. I could feel him and, and I could hear his voice saying, do your thing. You've anticipated this your whole life. I'm always with you. I, I just, you know, I just felt his presence, man, and goosebumps. And so I went in there, did my thing, you know, um, and that, that, that is what officially introduced the character meet. Uh, I, I beat up Ali, uh, Tiger Ali Singh, walked out with the girls, the PMS girls, Terry and Jackie, Terry Runnels and, and Jacqueline Moore. And um, I finally did it. I made my debut. I finally got that out of the way. And I'm in my extended stay hotel in Memphis, Tennessee. And all my friends are, you know, they're calling that. Hey, congratulations. We saw you. That was great. We knew, you know, we knew you would do this and, you know, just all the support and love I, that I was getting. Right. And then I laid back on my bed and I was just thinking, man, if I'm ever asked that question, when did you make your, your official WB debut? And I backtracked because it was a, it was a, a heat segment and it was a recorded a show called heat back in the day. And I backtracked on the calendar. I went, oh, my God. I said, and I felt my dad's spirit, man, so strong. You know, it was April 13th, 1999. It was my dad's birthday. Wow. So it's it's bittersweet because I felt it, you know, he wasn't there physically, but I felt his spirit. I wasn't crazy about this character, Meat. But I had, you know, veterans say, listen, Sean, take the character. It's the direction the company's going. Vince will have plans for you. You're a good hand. You're going to be with this company a long time. Take the character. Just get your feet wet. You know, it's like a, an actor. Take a role in a film or, a, or a, a, you know, a sitcom, whatever, and just play it to the best of your knowledge. I didn't know what meat was back then. I didn't know if I was coming or going. You know, I was so green. I was so nervous. I was just trying to do, find do, do you think that WWE really knew what meat was other than I, this guy who has lots of sex with these women? You yeah, know? right? Yeah. What a, what a horrible gimmick, right? Oh, um, awful. Awful. Yeah, just, just, I, I had so much sympathy from people. Yeah. Uh, but but anyway, um, I don't think they did. I, I, I believe where that came from, though, to answer your question, to, to, you know, to fast forward, uh, you know, I think Ed Ferrara, his his dad was on the softball team, and apparently they called him Meat for whatever oh. reason. But that's how I learned that came about. So that came from, like, I think Russo, Ferrara, but, of course, Vince McMahon at the time being the head of WBE would have had to approve that, whatever. I, I, I really don't know, Nick, to answer your yeah. question, but all I know is that I was stuck with this Meat character for about a year, and – I'll be honest, when I reflected back on that, for like many years later, all these years of my, my adult life, you know, as, as a Dr. Sean, a chiropractor and, you know, speaking and, you know, living the, you know, out in the corporate world, I always thought it was the cheesiest, dumbest character. And I really didn't know, you know, what I was really doing. I was just experimenting, learning as I went along, learning on the job, so to speak, had all the basic mechanics you know, the look, the the body, the the name. But then again, they took the Stasiak name and placed me with this character, Meat. Yeah. But, but, you know, when I look at it now, 
um, today in 2023. And then of course, just fast forward into this whole meat craze thing. I, it is a funny name. It is fun. And I, if I, you know, look, I always say this, I'm always open, you know, look, I'm, I'm 53 years old. Let's face it. It's a young man's game, but you know, I've stayed in shape and I've, I think I've kind of kept myself on the, on the, on the shelf in the sense of, of, of maintaining some integrity of my, my health and, you know, my fitness and, and whatnot. And it, of course, just maturing and growing as we should, as we go through adult life, right? I thought, you know, if I ever played a character called Meat, how would I play it now with what I know about the world, about that profession? Now that I have, I've had experience, I think it would be really fun. And I think that you could go somewhere with it, to be honest. And I've always said for all these years, ironically enough, dumbest character, cheesy, hated it, da da da, da got my start, you know, whatever, right? But now that I've thought about it the last couple of days, I thought, what are the possibilities? What are the possibilities, right? Because, look, I don't know if, if this thing would go anywhere. We've talked about this, Nick, off, off air, right, a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm not attached to any outcome, but I will say this. I'm open to a good business opportunity. And I think there's a lot of creative ways and direction you can go with this thing. And it would make sense. Uh, and it would be fun. Uh, I'm not looking to get back in the ring full time. Could Do I have a few? Do I have a little bit of fire in the belly? Do I have a little bit in the basement? You're damn right I do. Wow. Uh, so I'm, I'm, oh, I'll just, I'm making that statement, you know, but I'm not looking to get back full time, you know, again, young man's game, but I think that there could be an opportunity with something like this. And not, and even if I take me out of the equation, subjectively speaking, there's, there's, there could be an, a, a very interesting opportunity. And I think the fans would have to clamor for bringing that original, who's that original meat guy back. Oh, yeah, me. Right. Yeah. Meat. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what that looks like, but, I think so. Anyway, I'm going to the gym last week, right? I'm in the parking lot. I'm seeing meat. This, I mean, what's this meat thing, right? I'm looking on this. I'm getting looped into this meat. I said, I can't escape that word, Nick. I go to the grocery store and I see freshly cut meats and I run the opposite direction. I can't get away from, I'm haunted by meat. And here it is 23, 24 years later, and I'm getting looped back into the whole meat gimmick craze theme, whatever. And so I thought, okay, I did a little research, saw the article, I went, okay, slapping me, two guys, Hobbs and Miro are, are, are chopping, they're big, beefy, meaty men, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, and the crowds are shit, and then the t-shirt comes out, and this is all AEW stuff, and I'm going, wow, I said, that's, I'm going to have some fun with this. So I, I thought, you know what, bicep pose, take a picture, tweet it to Tony Khan, have fun with it. And so I did, and it seemed like it picked up a little bit of traction and um, here we are talking. You called me the next day. Hey, hey, you know, I just pro wrestling fans love fun things, right? They love fun things. They love nostalgia. They yep. love uh, they love uh, underdog stories. I think you sure. check a lot of. I think you check a lot of boxes right now, and especially since people haven't really got to see a whole lot of you, uh, especially in, in the in the recent history. I don't right. know. Seems like a fun idea to me, Sean, Doctor Sean. Sorry, I don't want to call you Sean. You're a doctor. I don't want to diminish. Well, you. Who, who knows? Maybe I'll be Doctor Meat. Oh, Dr. Meat. That's a good yeah, one. You know? I like I like Dr. Meat. Real quick, uh, just kind of going back to your time working as Meat. Uh, obviously, you were paired with Terry and, and Jackie and yeah. uh, both, you know, kind of legends in their own right. I mean, especially yeah. Jackie broke yeah. a lot. Of, Jackie broke a lot of barriers, especially for women of color. Sure. Uh, what was it like for you? I mean, I know it was a real silly gimmick and everything, but like, what was it like for you to work with with them, you know, as a yeah. group? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I've been asked that quite a few times in, in recent interviews. Uh, you know, Jackie was a little bit more, uh, she was always quiet. She's, you know, I knew she was a veteran. She was well-respected. I mean, she looked great and she was a little tiny petite thing, but she was yoked, man. And she was a badass, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, she was known to work what we call stiff, you know, in the ring. Mm. Um, but anyway, point being is um, Terry, however, now she had been in the business for a while. She had been, uh, of course, she was married to Dustin at the time, Dustin Rhodes. Uh, and, of course, you know, the like the legendary Rhodes family. I mean, that trickles in, you know, that that 
nostalgia. So she was around uh, that family, and I, I she just had she knew the business, you know. And I think more backstage, you know, how to conduct yourself, and and just little 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 nuances and things that I would pick up on and learn from her. Uh, I felt that I learned from her actually, just a, just more backstage etiquette and and just maybe some little political things here and there and she made uh she comforted me in the sense that I, I felt you know a little more confident having her around because and regardless of gender if we, but if someone who's experienced is more or less a manager but it's someone that kind of I, I think I leaned on a little bit uh breaking into the business you know uh with yeah. that character so I don't know if that makes sense but she was more than just standing there playing a role uh, with interacting with meat, right? Uh, what you saw on screen. She was kind of seemed like almost like a, I don't know, like a, a sister figure or something that had wisdom that I was just young, you know, even though my dad was Stan Stasiak, yeah. I got started late in the business. So there's, there's things about the business that people don't realize what you see on TV is a very, very small percentage of what goes on and what it entails to, to make it, to make it to that level. And then also stay there and, and stay as long as some, you know, people do. So that was my experience with Terry. I always got along with her. We had great chemistry working together. Um, yeah, just, it was, she was fun to be around, you know? How, how about Vince? As we're talking about how tomorrow will be, I guess today's his last day running the company. Uh, what was your relationship like with him? How was he as a boss? You know, I get that question all the time. Is is Vince an a-hole? Is he this? Is he that? And <laughs> to be honest with you, I always judge every relationship on my personal relationship with them. I have to say, I mean, look, I, and I don't want to uh, point fingers here or, or sound bitter by any means, but I, I think this is worth mentioning. And I'll tie that into Vince. I could have every reason in the world to be bitter and to point fingers and say, you know, never gave him my opportunity, a real opportunity. Yeah, look, I made mistakes I see where I, you know, perception is reality. And I was just a young man back then, just trying to make my father proud, so to speak. You know, I just lost him not too long prior to me coming aboard, you know, WWE, the training camps, the funking dojo camps and the headquarters of Stanford, Connecticut, you know, where WWE was with Tom Pritchard and, and Dory Funk Jr. were my trainers. Um, I was kind of on a fast track to get to the, to get me to a level that they could call up, call me up and be on the main roster. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had interactions with Vince, you know, when I was at the headquarters and he'd work out, we, it's his gym, it's his, his building. Right. And we would have, you know, some conversations, but I think, and it's funny because you've heard, you've heard this from other wrestlers too. Uh, Bret Hart comes to mind. And he's got this effect on on, on, on other people. I mean, Ultimate Warrior, for instance. But something about Vince, I, I felt a comfort because he is was like a bit of like, I don't want to sound weird, but a bit of a, like a father figure, you know, in the sense that I think for me at that time, I, I think I was looking to, I, I'm still grieving that I lost my dad. Yeah. And here I was on my own. I don't have really m much family members around. You know, I'm kind of a lone wolf. And I think I was looking to ultimately connect. So I was looking at the WWE as not just to fulfill a, a long time, you know, I'd say teenage dream. Right. Uh, but it was, it, I think I was looking forward to fulfill a family void that I was having. And so when I saw Vince, I know it's pretty deep, right? But I no, mean, this is great reflection. You have, yeah. you are obviously you've thought yeah. about this. You know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I love being transparent. That's part of my speaking. It's, you know, my, my theme is wrestling with fear. Uh, we're all wrestling with something, but you know, I've wrestled. I, I, my, the biggest opponent I've ever had is me, you know, and most of it, most of our uh, hardest, toughest opponents are ourselves, you know, that we wrestle with. Right. So I, that's, that's why when things came to an end with that company on two different occasions, one was just a stupid, um, like the tape recorder incident. I'm sure you heard that. That was, you you recorded like a heated conversation between Davy Boy Smith. No, and it wasn't. It, it wasn't even that. And I, I don't mean to cut you off, Nick. But yeah, and there's yeah. so many stories and fabrications, and I'm like, oh my god, it's amazing. Hey, how how like a story can like a little piece like this, and it just gets blown completely out of proportion. I've heard I was paranoid. I'm recording people's conversations in locker rooms. I mean, I even heard Jim Cornette recently. I, I like Jim Cornette. I think he's. 
I know he's polarizing. I think I, I think he's funny. He's entertaining. I may not agree with everything that he says, but my point is, is that even recently he made a comment about it. I've seen Jim Ross talk about it, interviews Eric Bischoff and, and the and Road Dog even. It hurts to hear it because my intention and people that know me and know the situation, there was absolutely no uh, wrongful intent or harm whatsoever, honest to God. And I've talked about this a million times on interviews, but but bottom line is um, it was a dumb thing to do. It was stupid, right? It was just a rib that I played on a couple of guys in the car. They were just arguing and bickering. We're on a long road trip, and I, I was just going to play it back for them and say, this is how you guys sounded like a couple of bitches, you know, complaining on the road. And, and of course, it just it got intercepted because uh, where I went wrong is I wasn't honest about it when I was approached. And I knew right then and there, I said, okay, these guys don't know me. That was kind of dumb, dumbass. Like, you know, turn, just – I, that rib's not going to work now, and I brought. And the reason why I even had this thing with me is because it was encouraged by uh, Dory and Tom, and that were training me. Even my dad. I mean, my dad got me my first tape recorder. I was always doing imitations, rehearsing characters. Always, you know, you're in the car, you're traveling a lot, so work on your craft, work on your promos, um, practice your craft. And so that's why I even had the damn thing. It was like a cassette, old school cassette, you know, uh, yeah. style. So. Anyway, my, where I'm going with all this is that I've heard so many different fabricated stories about it. It, it wasn't recording conversations in the locker room. Uh, I, I wasn't working for hard copy. I wasn't working for WCW. Look, it, I, it was just those guys in the car, a rib, and it went wrong, and it never became a rib or a joke. I just threw it, simply threw it back in my bag, the, the the recorder and even the next following week, I believe it was, I had it, I brought my bag with me. I mean, God, if I was trying to hide or keep something discreet, why would I carry the evidence around with me? If that was the case, right? Who would do that? How stupid would that be? And so they went through my bag and, and heard voices on there and it made me look really bad. And, and, and rightfully so. I mean, I would have thought the same thing too. I would have been, skeptical thing who's this what's going on man like i wouldn't have it was just it was just really a bad look and it just yeah. did not serve me well and honestly nick i don't think i ever recovered from that uh my career i could never get seem to get a fair shake when i came back the second tenure with wwe i couldn't seem to get um i felt yeah, that i was i watched videos of you like running into walls and tripping over stuff and like you were not booked uh in a in a strong way i would say after your wcw run Absolutely not. I think I was just the cost of doing business. I was fed to make guys like Brock Lesnar's of the world when he was coming up to look good. And, and just, you know, it was, it was very frustrating and discouraging. It's like, then why did you even buy my contract from WCW to bring me back? It was just to feed these guys. I think ultimately, I don't think there really was a real plan. Um, or at least there was people in Vince's ear. I don't know. I, I don't even have an answer and I don't, it is what it is, man, you know? Yeah. Um, but the, the point being is that um, I never seemed I was never able to, you know, and I was willing to do everything, uh, you know, keep myself in shape and work on my craft. And the Planet Stasiak character was actually my idea, but that yeah, got completely. Talk to me about that because you told me off the air that you you had like more that you wanted to do with Planet Stasiak. Oh well, yeah, I mean the, the idea. I was a, I'm a big Jim Carrey fan, and you know the way he presented uh, Riddler and Batman. I just love the characteristics and mannerisms, and I thought, man, that would be so cool to create. You know. Uh, a character like he's from a different world and he's just he's crazy and kind of out there he's he's comical he's funny but he's he, he needs to be taken serious too because he's still badass enough to you know uh, be a wb champion you know that's how i i envisioned this and those were my goals set to work towards right but we could never get on the same page i just never got a fair shake with that character they just buried it and just even the entrance everything i had so many great marketing ideas in mind that i think it would have been a huge hit in fact when i was traveling with rvd at the time and he'd say sean i saw more signs in the audience bring me to planet stasiak you know planet stasiak population three <laughs> you know there's a group of three people their family you know mom dad and son or whatever the point being is that every week it was it was growing it was getting uh it was catching on right but you know, in that business, it's so crazy. You never know. Perhaps they've got too much money invested in certain guys and maybe someone starts coming up, you know, and you wonder why you see some of these organic buildups with people like the guy L.A. Knight today. Right. Oh, yeah. Is really getting over um, with the crowd. But maybe I don't know. It, it, same with Cody Rose. I mean, Cody, uh, he's 
on top and he's a main star there, but the the whole, you know, maybe there's a longer term plan, long game for him to fulfill the promise he made his dad, which is my storyline, by the way. Uh, I, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm combining stories here, but uh, you know, that didn't come right with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. And I think maybe it was built up. Maybe it was too predictable. Maybe they just want, maybe, you know, swerved at the end. I don't know, but it seems like, you know, you could be coming up and then all of a sudden you get the kibosh because maybe you're, maybe you're getting over or the trajectory in which it's going is going in a way that uh, we, we can't have this. So we got to put, we got to spend time with these people here. You know, we got more invested here. So we got to bring this guy down. I, I don't know. That, that's a theory, right? Yeah. Very possible. But um, so that, that that was something I had ideas for marketing with, uh, you know, these blinking glasses and animated entrance. And oh, kids would have loved it. It would have been even kids, adults would have loved it. It would have been a hit. I'm telling you. Um, but anyway, um, kind of bouncing around here. But just to, to my point, though, about Cody Rhodes, you know, that is a storyline that I that is um, pretty much my storyline that I had pitched for many, many years. And I'm going to tie this into one other point to you and then I'll shut up. No, no. Yeah. Look, you're here to talk, please. Let me yeah. You got me going, mind. man. I got my, yeah. my fourth coffee of the day. It, you know, it's just the way it goes. Um, but anyway, man, Cody's um, storyline about his dad, about that famous shot of him holding up that, that title after, uh, you know, the WB title when he beat superstar, Billy Graham, God rest his soul. At Madison Square Garden, I think it was 1976, you know, in the 70s. Uh, but it, he won on a disqualification, so it it didn't go down in the history books, right, as as uh, a champion, in which he's rightfully very well should have been, right? Dusty Rose was a legend. But he did not win the belt on a pinfall or submission. That's the rules of pro wrestling. At least they were, right? Things, rules can be changed and they can be broken. But the point is that he made a promise to his dad. Now, whether that's actually true or not, who cares? Does it matter? I mean, it's a story, right? Mm -hmm. So we got that icon iconic picture of him holding up that belt. And I got, I, I teared up when I saw it because it brought me back to my dad and my dad's past, you know, as well. He's probably up there with Dusty. They're probably trading heart punches and bionic elbows. Most likely maybe having a beer. I don't know. J Dusty drink. My dad was a beer drinker. Him and Andre drink beer. Okay point being is that my storyline that I had pitched for, for quite a few years of promoting campaign, same, it tied into campaigning for my father to be inducted in the WWE Hall of Fame, fifth wrestler in the history of the company to become WB champion, only held the belt for nine days. But he always told me, he said, Sean, I might, my, you know, he was the shortest, one of the shortest reign champions ever in history. But he always said, Sean, he goes, even though it was only nine days, Besides you being born, you know, he loved his son. Uh, those were the happiest days of my life, the happiest nine days of my life. And and so who cares? It was nine days. And back then, you know, they wanted to get the, the, the belt off of Pedro and put it on Bruno San Martino. They needed a transitional champion, a heel, a hot heel. My dad, Stan the Man, was a hot heel. They put it on him to make the transition to because he had a lot of heat, right, which he, he, he was just uh, over as a heel. So... I had campaigned this for many, many years and, you know, you can go on YouTube and check out my channel. It's called Sean Stasiak's world. I know I need to get more active and create more content and be consistent, but it's there. It's, you just search it on um, YouTube. It's Sean Stasiak comeback story. And the whole premise is that, you know, I've been away from the business for many years now. I'm a doctor of chiropractic speaker, you know, uh, but I, I did promise my father is the, is the story. You know, I promised my father that, I would link our names in the history books and become the very first father-son duo to ever hold the WWE title because it's never been done yet. Uh, to my knowledge, I don't think there's different belts now. I can't keep up. There's so many belts, but I don't yeah. think that anyone has that WWF belt. I think maybe Rey Mysterio might've be, uh, been held that belt. So Dominic could be very close. Now I'm giving WWE ideas, right? But my, my point is it had never been done, right? And that was my whole storyline is to come out of retirement and to fulfill that promise I made my father. So when I saw Cody's thing with his dad, I went, wow. See, I got goosebumps right now, man. Yeah. Um, I, I was like, wow, that's my storyline. And I thought, man, you know, 
that would be so cool if if he can fulfill this promise to his dad and and win that title. But I say this with all due respect, but I'm gonna business is business and I'm gonna kick some sand around. But Cody, if he does, Cody, and if you do win the WWE title, as much as I love your father, you will never have made history because that history is still pending. Your dad was never officially the WWE champion. My father, Stan, was. There's something in that. And I thought, you know, would have been kind of, you know, I, I like I told you earlier, Nick, sometimes I think, you know, I live, we all live virtually a lot of times, right? And I think, okay, realistically, do you really think that you could come out of retirement at 53 and and do something like this? Because that's a big feat, man, right? Yeah. But I think with the right storyline and the right business, I, I'd be willing to take that that chance and that shot. And I still believe to this very day that that's, some, that's a piece of history. It's a storyline that's so real, so authentic. I'm an emotional guy. Cody's an, a very emotional guy. Authentic. We're real. Man, there's a, there's a, there's something there, Nick. You know, we talk about something there with the meat character, but this is deep, right? You didn't expect this, did you? This is I, getting. I, I hear it in your voice, Sean. Like I hear it in your voice. How like this? You're manifesting this right now. Well, listen. I, I will just say this, and I'm learning to not be attached to the outcome. My heart, and in this business, people will say, you know, don't 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 show your emotions, kid. Don't don't put that over. No, I'm going to put this over because this broke my heart. I campaigned for my father to be in the WB Hall of Fame for uh, many years. Like I said, you know, I had been uh, retired and since 2002, I've done some, uh, you know, I do some independence, handful of independence or whatever, a couple handfuls of independence since then. I get in the ring every once in a while to see how things are. We were getting, we're going way over 30 minutes, by the way. We're at 37, but I'll You're just great. keep running. Let Don't me, worry let me, about it. Okay. So anyway, listen. So. I campaigned for him to be inducted in the Hall of Fame. And I thought when the time was right, when they were ready to do that, I figured he was worthy enough because it wasn't just WWE that he had success, but he, wherever he went, you know, back in my day when I grew up around my father, we traveled all over. I was yanked in out of school districts my whole life, like a military brat, right? Because there was territories, the, the, the wrestling territories back in the day. That's where I met in Portland, Oregon. Uh, my dad was a huge sensation out in the Pacific Northwest. That's where I met Dwayne Johnson, a young 10-year-old Dwayne Johnson. I'm sorry, I was 10. He was 8. And uh, we would play in the ring when we were kids. I remember he headbutted me. And I had a big goose egg on my head. We were out in the ring, playing in the ring like it was a playground. After the matches were over at the Portland Sports Arena, we met. It was called the Crow's Nest, where they did all the, where the cameras were. They interviewed the wrestlers. And... Uh, and my dad's in the car. I said, what's, what's on your head there, Sean? What? I said, oh, that's Dewey, Dad. Dewey, give me a headbutt. And I thought that was the funniest thing, Dewey being Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. So I, I knew Dwayne. Uh, my dad wrestled with his dad, his grandfather, High Chief Peter Maivia. So there's a lot of lineage and history there. And so um, just I, I, I guess uh, where was I going with this? We're talking about territory. I was talking about territory. Yeah, moving around my- like a military brat. Yeah. Right. And so um, – but anyway, my, my, my getting back to uh, this whole Hall of Fame campaign thing is I just figured when it was time to put him in, right, to, that they would call upon myself, uh, his only son, at least that we know of. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm his only son. Okay. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give Sean the opportunity to induct his father, right, into WB Hall of Fame. I would, I would, I anticipated that they would do that regardless of my thoughts or theories of why, you know, things didn't work out or why I couldn't seem to get a a political rub or to to really get some rocket boosters behind me and really move. Uh, And again, look, I I made mistakes. I could see where I created some perceptions that weren't so positive, but Hey, you live and learn, right? That's just part of life. Yeah. But uh, point being is that um, when the, the time came, you know, um, for a couple of years there, they would show this legacy wing and they show these old timers and give them like video packages. And I would get nervous for a couple of years. Cause I'd say, Oh man, don't tell me he's going to show up in this and no disrespect to the legends and the legendary, uh, the, the legends wing. But I'm like, there's no, come on, man. 
fifth wrestler in the history of the company to become champion. Stan the Man Stasiak, top guy wherever he went, you know. They're going to just put him in a, a video. No way. They won't do that. So a couple of years went by and I was, I was like, whew, because I was, you know, the hall, the W hall of fame. I love that almost just as much, if not more than WrestleMania. Sometimes I just get choked up and emotional and love connecting with that. So it was in 2000, I think uh, 16 I'm in the car and also my phone blows up and I have all these tweets and stuff and notifications coming in kind of like the other night with the meat thing. Yeah. And I'm seeing congratulations. They're finally putting your dad in. Stan the man, you know, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, it's about time and all. And I go, and I, you think I'd be ecstatic and happy, right? No, man, I was, I knew right then and there what was going on. I live in Dallas, Texas. This WrestleMania Hall of Fame was uh, in New Orleans, not, it's a very short flight away, right? From here, and, you know, because you're from Houston. So I'm like, um, this is a Thursday, I think, and this is this is going to happen Saturday. And no one's contacted me, no one's called me, no one's told me anything. And again, I'm not trying to paint a sap story here. I'm just I'm just telling it like it is, so you, so you understand, you know, how this was so distressing and 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 really heart wrenching for me because I really took pride in that. You know, people say that's ah, not a real Hall of Fame, and it's Vince's something that made up in his mind. It's more of a television ratings thing, whatever. But still, it's the WWE Hall of Fame. It's once a year. It means something to me, and it means something to a lot of people. And it's about acknowledgement and about honoring these um, these these great men and women that laid down the groundwork before us, man. Right? And and so I I knew right away. I said they're they're just gonna they're gonna put him. So who's gonna induct him? You know, I'm thinking, <laughs> right? And um, right away, I called Vince McMahon. I dialed his number. I knew he wouldn't pick up. It's WrestleMania. You know, I've had a few conversations with him over the years. Um, some okay, some not so great. And, you know, anyway, I'll leave it at that. But point being is uh, he wouldn't pick up. And I text him. I said, please don't put my father into the Hall of Fame this year. Can we wait until next year when they're at MetLife Stadium? I think it was in New York and that eastern seaboard board area i think it would just even be more fitting geographically you know um you know wb is a worldwide thing or a world stage but still i think it's would be a little more suiting to be in that area it's like the von erics you're gonna do it here in texas man they're from dallas you know uh, or denton whatever they're, they're 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 texans you know like try to stick the theme of the area that these these talent I, I would think that's the rhyme and reason it doesn't always work out that way but it is you know that's just my thought but um, got a text later saying nothing personal, just a company decision. That's it. It was very, very vague. And mm. boy, I, 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 you know, I text back. You can imagine I said a few things. Um, try to keep it classy, but it was, it was tough, man. So yeah, I just wasn't wasn't invited. To, uh, I think I'd be invited to the venue just to be in the building, just to show my respects, you know. And all I would have asked for is just five, ten minutes of. And I don't need Mr. T time. I don't need an hour up there, you know, uh, at the podium. I know he loves his mother and everything and went yeah, on and on about it. But I mean, the point is, is that give me five minutes, tell a couple funny stories. You know, it's an honor to accept this uh, award, you know, thank you and good night. But it never came. So it broke my heart. It really did. It really. Um, and, and, that, and since that time, I just it put such a bad taste in my mouth, that, you know, that I just simply. I really have just lost all interest in that storyline or anything ever coming to fruition. But then I thought, man, I can compartmentalize things. I've learned to do that, um, you know, for the right business and the right storyline. Am I open to it? Sure, I could be. But if you ever <laughs> could pull from an archive to, to channel real emotion, to make something very, very believable and real, uh, I definitely have an archive file. I don't let it consume me. I have released it. But it's there if I ever need to pull from it uh, as far as real raw emotion about how that affected me. And, uh, you know, just just uh, again, uh, it's just disheartening that that, you know, they would go about just giving him a 20 second video package. And, and that was it, you know, among a bunch of other video packages. It just that's what that what hurt. And it's hard not to think that it's got to be something. Is, well, don't take it personal. Well, how could you not? You know, yeah. you, you promoted this, campaign this, uh, you know, they don't even invite you to it. They don't let you know that you're going to put your father into this thing. 
uh, and then then do and then then do it the way they did. It just was to me it was classless and it was a slap in the face. So um, with AEW, I will just say that um, I think Tony Khan. I don't. I met him one time. Really, very nice guy. Respectful. He's a big fan. You know. Where did you meet him? Backstage when they were here for a show of 2019. Oh, okay. Backstage here in Garland. And um, I just feel like, you know, I don't know. Maybe he he has a – I'm not saying that Vince McMahon – like you, you would ask me – I gave you a very long answer, Nick, by the way. You asked me – how how what, what was what was what was Vince McMahon like? Right? Yeah, no, I got it. Yeah. But now you have a better understanding. So I will still say this. Okay. I I can't call Vince uh, an a hole for sure. I can't. You look, he he's he's a business guy. He's a visionary. He created this an amazing spectacle with WWE. Um. So huge respect to him for that. But on a personal level, I, I never really had a real personal relationship with him. And, you know, I'm just disheartened about the thing with my father, with the, the hall of fame. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's my, my answer to you is that I, I really, I, he's got great relationships with a lot of other people. So again, I always judge relationships based on your personal experience but mine was I didn't have a very close one. I would have liked to have had one. Uh, again, like I said, I kind of saw him as a bit of a father figure when I first came in. Not that yeah. he's looking to adopt any more sons and Shane. You know, he's already got a son. But you know, it just would have been nice to create a relationship and and um, you know, you're not you're you're far from the only wrestler to come along and say something about that with uh, like about Vince, right? Obviously, yeah. he's in that 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 kind of boss role. But there are a lot of talents that come in and have talked about how Vince kind of assumes that father figure role, especially when you're on the road and you're away from your family and like the roster kind of becomes your family, you know, Vince, Vince is very yeah. easy to kind of slot into that paternal role. I have, I, I can totally understand that. Yeah. So I have mixed emotions about Vince McMahon. Ultimately, you know, it's like, I think he, when he, you know, when he was maybe a few years ago, he played, I mean, his the Mr. McMahon character and um, just, what what he created you know is just amazing and so um yeah. i hats off to him on that but yeah just it's just one of those things man i don't and i don't have any disdain i don't hate the guy i don't like wish bad you know it's just unfortunate and i just i guess i have this underlying faith that uh what's meant to happen karma uh god universe whatever you want to call it man will will take care and sort things out and uh however you know but you know he's He's got great relationships with people. He's a father and a grandfather. And, you know, you have somebody else and, you know, he's the greatest guy in the world. So, yeah. Um, with Tony Khan, you know, he's new in the game, so to speak. But seems like, um, I don't know, it seems like someone like that might be a little more open and feel like he just has, shows a lot more respect, I guess. I don't know, to some of the nostalgia and throwbacks, I guess. Yeah. Well, and everybody. Everybody's already chanting meat, Doctor Sean. I know, right? They're already hungry for meat over in AEW world. They can't right get now. enough. They can't get get enough meat, Nick. I'm telling you, they cannot. You know? Oh my God, uh, Doctor Sean, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today, man. It has been great, and I hope to have you back, man, because I feel like there's like all kinds of stuff that I left on the the cutting room floor here today, but I just. You know, there's a lot to get into, man. Um, where can people go to find you, follow you, support you, all those other wonderful things? Yeah, I mean, on social media, uh, I'm going to be, you know, coming up with a, a wellness life coaching program soon. Um, I do some speaking. It's going to start immersing myself more and more in corporate speaking. But uh, just go to Dr. Sean 008. So D R S H A W N 008 008. Twitter, Instagram, and of course, Facebook is Sean Stasiak hyphen Stippich. Um, I have a TikTok account, but I haven't done much on it yet. So I'm going to be growing my social media here very soon and staying consistent with that as I'm now um, verging into the speaking wellness life coaching uh, space. I'm going to be posting a lot of uh, content that's it's just, you know, not bullshitting people, but it's going to be calling a spade a spade and, and addressing what people wrestle with and including myself uh, and share the, this transparency but sharing what what has worked for me and what hasn't and 
suggest and encourage people to do to try different things um, to break through whatever they're wrestling with in their life. Could be with family, fitness, finances, you know, self-limiting beliefs, fears, that sort of thing. So um, that's where you go to find me. And then my YouTube channel is Sean Stasiak's World, which uh, needs also some picking up. So I'll be I'm, I'm on it, Nick. I Next time we talk, hopefully we'll ha- you know it'll be grooving and moving. I think it will be Sean. I'm not worried about it. And who uh, and who know and who knows? You never say never. I don't think that's a, a slogan. Just you know uh, that the WWE is famous or known for. I think just in professional wrestling and with AEW, I I, I think that you can really say never say never because I I just feel like that company and I think Tony has a mind of possibilities and, and is more open to different creative ideas. I don't know. What do you, I mean, you, you know him probably better than I do. He's an outside the box thinker. I'm not going to lie. There's, there's a reason I got you on the horn, Dr. Sean. It's not because I thought that you weren't relevant in this moment, you know? Well, so let me ask you, what's your thought? Okay. So you're a fan, right? What would you, what would you, what would you like to see with this whole meat I, I think I, I think the obvious answer is you got to find a group of ladies, right? And these group of ladies that need a little muscle, that need a little meat, right? Because the women's division always looking for unique kind of archetypes and things like that. I think it could be a unique way to maybe uh, re re relook at what you guys had going, and maybe like you said, you know, put a little different spin on it, elevate it a little bit. Doesn't have to be so one sided, Jerry Springer, you know. Sure. And, and, you know, and like I said to you, Nick, earlier, the, the, the Sean Stasiak comeback story and fulfilling uh, the promise he made to his dad and making history and all that, that's a very, that's a uh, parallel, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's got a lot of reality parallels to it as far as like a serious tone to it or a real inspiring, inspirational story with a lot of fire, a lot of drive, a lot of intensity with it. But with a meat character, that's something that would definitely be much more. Uh, I mean, how can you take that serious? Okay. It's, it's just crazy to me that you have like, you have like these two storylines in your head where you're like, one of them is like, okay, let's all have some fun with meat. But then you have this other, uh, all pun intended, meteor storyline, right? right? Where there's like uh, a lot more invested into it. And I think it's cool that you can kind of see both sides of that coin. Cause I mean, it does seem like a, you know, with the right person opportunity, you could, you could see either of those through. Well, I think it'd be interesting to see where this all goes and over the next uh, few weeks and, and, and perhaps it becomes, uh, it grows and becomes a movement and something happens. And uh, look, like I said, you know, I'm not sitting there waiting by my phone uh, to ring by any chance, but uh, look again, I'm open to, all possibilities and you know i've got a little bit left in the tank and i'm in shape and i don't know uh again not looking to wrestle but definitely there there, there might be a, a a couple bumps left in me but uh i've definitely got a lot more to give a lot more bumps to give so there you go